It is Monday, October 17th, 2022. This is another edition of Baseball Today presented to you by SeatGeek. That is Trevor Plouffe. I am Chris Rose. Producer Dan is along for the ride as well. What a crazy weekend we had in the baseball world. And thankfully, we all get treated to a fifth and deciding game tonight between the Guardians and the Yankees. How much baseball were you glued to this weekend? Like too much, Chris. I was watching baseball on TV the entire weekend. And if I wasn't home sitting um, under my gazebo watching it there, I had it on my phone. I was playing tennis because I need to get my cardio in. I had it in my earbuds. I was listening to John Sterling. So it was all types. I listened to the Phillies game in Spanish because I accidentally pressed the wrong button and I ended up liking it. So I listened to it. So I was all over the spectrum, but I consumed a ton of baseball. And you know what? I'm happy. It was a great weekend of ball. We got the CSs locked up, except for one. No, game. we don't. We don't have the CSs locked I up. I said except for one game. Okay, good. Your let's guards. get to it. Uh, Garrett Cole shoved for the Yankees in game four, seven innings of impressive baseball. Do you, in your opinion, did he cement his Yankees legacy by keeping the season alive? See, I don't really know what you mean by legacy. I think that Garrett Cole has a lot of time left to establish his legacy, but he is laying the foundation down. You know, I think when I, when the Yankees signed, Cole to that long-term deal they've gotten everything they've wanted a leader um, a leader by example he goes out there and takes the ball he's made all of his starts you know he's a vocal leader when he needs to be he's accountable he understands the pressures that come with New York he's not a guy that's out on the town all the time I think he's we talk about Aaron Judge being perfect for New York I think Garrett Cole's perfect for New York Mm -hmm. I really do he's had a few sound bites here and there they're like come on man but for the most part He's been perfect out there, and he likes being a Yankee. He likes these situations. He was dominant last night. I love what he said about when he found out he was pitching game four. He goes, you're either clinching something or you're bringing it back to the Bronx, and he was excited to be pitching that game, and he showed up for them. Seven innings makes it really easy for Boone to make the bullpen decisions. Uh, so I think that he's done a really good job his first couple of years here in New York. Like I said, his legacy is, is still being written. I think there's plenty of big-time Garrett Cole moments left in the future, even in this postseason, postseason possibly. Uh, but he has been everything the Yankees wanted and probably more. Let's be honest. He's been one of the better postseason starters over the last six or seven years. Now, he had a, did he have a clunker last year in the wildcard game? Absolutely. Was he bothered by a bad hamstring? Yes. But if you're out there, that's the only way we can judge you is on your results, and that's it. Um, but he's been really good. He's made 16 postseason starts and has an ERA under three. Just so that some people know, I know maybe our younger generation never saw a guy like Greg Maddox pitch, but you know his name and you know how in high regard he is held in this sport and should be. He was an average postseason pitcher at times. Really was. I think his ERA is over four, high threes or whatever. Cole's at a 281, 127 strikeouts in fewer than 100 innings. What he's done against Cleveland in 2020 and now in two starts in 2022 has been really impressive. Um, so, yeah, I think he's done a great job. Now, he's going to, if the Yankees win tonight, he is going to have to prove it again in game three against the Houston Astros because as the stakes become higher, that's really how we judge him. It's not in a wild card game. It's not in a divisional round. 
It's to get your team to the World Series and what's in the World Series, particularly when you're the Yankees or a member of the Yankees. It might not sound fair, but that's what happens. So you're right that it, the whole uh, story has not been written. Yeah, I mean, look, he he wants the ball in those big games, and I think that is basically all you can ask for. Good health and a guy that wants the ball in big situations, uh, Garrett Cole is going to give those both to you. All right, so now let's move on to game five. It's the only game in town tonight. What will determine this one, or what are you most interested in watching? There's so many things here. I'm curious how Tito, you know, presents his staff. He has a full rest – presents his staff. Okay. He's got a full rested <laughs> bullpen. Hey, um, do you hold on? No matter what you say today, it can't be nearly as bad as what Chris Collinsworth said on Sunday Night Football. So you're good. I wasn't trying to say that. The jury's still out on Chris Collinsworth there. Um, <laughs> I'm interested. Like, are we going Savali? Is that really going to happen? Is it a facade? Are they going to have an opener? I don't know what's going to happen, dude. Like, do you trust hmm. him to go out there and get you through the first three batters of the Yankees? Do you want to be behind in the winner-take-all game? Like, I don't know, man. It's it's going to be interesting. I think for Cleveland, for your Guardians, if they get out and get a lead, they have the recipe to win this game. I think they have to go out there, score early. And then we were talking about it earlier today, Jake and I. I mean, you can expect two from Class A, two from Stefan. You know, Karen Check will give you one. That's five innings accounted for already. You got Henches and a couple other guys you can mix in there. They have a path for success. I think they just have to go score early. The Yankees pitching is a little cloudier. Uh, maybe some Nestor Cortez. Tyone's going to get the start. We'll see what the hook's uh, like on him. The leash will be short, I'm sure. It is truly a coin flip in this game. I don't think uh, the Yankees have an advantage. The numbers have shown the home team actually doesn't have the advantage. I know you want to be there. The atmosphere will be great. But if the Guardians go score first, it'll quiet the place down. Maybe. Um I love decisive games. I don't love being a part of them. They're very difficult on my system, but I love it as a baseball fan because there is so much pressure on the manager to make the right decisions. Yes. And so often over the two years of this show, we have talked about how the front office has kind of guided people. And we'll be bringing that up certainly with the Dodgers uh, coming up in just a bit. But I think in a decisive game like this, it's much more about your gut than anything else because you, nobody's thinking that Tyone and Savali are going to be around in the sixth inning here. It's not going to happen. I think if each team gets three innings out of their starter, they're like, oh, thank you. We yes. made it. And now we can do what we want to do. And it is fun to see a Nestor Cortez come out of the bullpen. Francona said a few days ago, Bieber's not going to. I, I don't know. If the season's <laughs> on the line, how do you not bring him out? So – that's the fun part is seeing all that sort of stuff. Plus, who gets a chance to be a hero, man? We've already seen it in, in the playoffs. Harrison Bader didn't hit a home run with the Yankees during the regular season. He's at three in this series. Trent Grisham was one of the worst offensive players in baseball during the year. They can't get the guy out. So who's going to be that hero that we're not expecting? I think it's all fun. I'm nervous as can be. I bet you But are. I'm happy that I'm nervous because that means we're still playing. Absolutely, dude. Uh, Francona was like, if you told me back in March yeah. that we'd have a decisive game that. five, what, what do you mean? This is great, um, dude. This is, Chris, where you guys are at, the Guardians, mm -hmm. to be in this position 
how can you not just be thankful? Like everything has kind of gone right. You know, you've made the right moves. Guys have stepped up. Like you've gotten hot at the right times. It's everything has worked out. You have a chance to go make some real noise in this, in these playoffs. And this is not like a fluke anymore. We've seen them handle no. really rough environments. And like, as a Guardians fan, you guys got to be so stoked, man. Yeah. It, it, listen, I can't wait. I'll be working during the first part of the game. So I'm going to be doing BattleBots uh, bot builder interviews while I'm watching on my phone. So I might drop a few <laughs> MFs during the game or yes, okay. we'll see. Uh, um, yeah. Do you think the Yankees will move their left fielder in a little bit? Just a little bit? Well, in this ballpark. Stop the Cleveland bloop. Yeah, the Cleveland bloop. They, they keep calling them the Cleveland bloopers. By the way, real quickly, it's a skill to put the bat on the baseball. It is a skill. They should not be criticized for their lack of exit velo or anything else. The whole goal is to put the ball in play. Now, some people put it over the fence better than other teams, but if this is what they do best, you know, and people could say they're lucky. They're lucky because they're exit. Are we talking about that with Philly? Philly's had more uh, infield hits and broken bats and low exit velo than anybody. You know, Cleveland's done it the right way, man. I don't fault them for anything. In fact, I was talking earlier today, Hicks should have caught that ball. He was jogging the entire time. Effort, I guess, is a skill, too. But we can discuss that for another day. All right, let's move on to Philly, which has knocked out the defending World Series champion Atlanta Braves. If I had told you on June 3rd when the Phillies fired Joe Girardi, they would be in the NLCS four and a half months later, you would have said... Harper's back and they got hot. Like, I would, I, I, it wouldn't have surprised me that much like that wasn't something that was so far out of the realm we believed in this team for a long time now i remember when uh topper took over said this isn't gonna get him over the top uh when bryce went down we're like can they tread water enough to hold the ground until he gets back and they did those things and topper has made a difference you know he's kind of steady the ship a little bit but we always believed in the lineup and we know that you know if you get hot at the right times those you know top six hitters they have they can carry a team and then they have the high-end pitching now the bullpen is kind of like worked out for him this postseason um but at that time chris i i think we would have said that's kind of crazy but i can see that happening that that would have been my mindset for sure nope i would have said nope no way no way in fact i said it that day i said geez how much of a difference is this going to make the 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 roster is flawed I think those are the exact words I use. Both the said roster that. is flawed. Um, I'm shocked. I knew that they had decent starting pitching, better than decent. Yeah. I was massively worried about their bullpen construction. I was worried about their defense. And then when Bryce Harper gets hit on the thumb by Blake Snell, I was like, I'll see you in 2023 when we're going to have another year where Bryce Harper doesn't get a shot at the ring. That's it. See you. And so I am shocked pleasantly shocked um their bullpen consisted of brad hand who's on the back end of his career jose alvarado who was so bad he got sent down eflin is a starter i mean really is he is he really your ninth inning guy like i looked at the bullpen i was like there's no way that they could so even once they got to the playoffs i said you rely so much on your bullpen there's no way they're gonna get through it and they've been fantastic and good for them. I'm excited for them. I'm excited for us as baseball fans because whether you're a huge Harper fan like I am or you just appreciate his skill set, I think it's great when we've got 
a dude who we've known since 15 years old, and now he just turned 30, I think, yesterday, and now he's got a shot at it. For the first time, he's in a league championship series. I think it's damn cool. It's awesome. And, you know, the Braves-Dodgers matchup would have been cool, or the Mets-Dodgers or whatever, that, that would have been cool. But these two teams, Philly and fun. San Diego, are probably the most fun teams to watch. And now you're going at it. You have a little bit of history with Bryce getting hit in the hand you know, happened against this team, like you mentioned. Like, there's a lot of big, fun egos going up against each other. A lot of testosterone in this series. It's going to be absolutely electric. The fan bases is going to be great. And we'll best have all best atmospheres we've seen so far. No question. And it, it, we're going to have uh, basically a whole show on Tuesday to break this, uh, this series down. Um, very quickly, one minute. Atlanta, 101 wins. Great during the last four months of the season. What went wrong? Their starters didn't give him any length. You know, Max had like a flu game type of thing. He wasn't great game one. Wright showed up game two. But then, you know, Strider being hurt and, and not having length and then Morton not really having it and also getting hit. So the, the starters being – the starters exposing the bullpen so much. You just it, – it's very hard to overcome that. So I think that – a combination of that and maybe some of the guys struggling. Like Riley didn't have a good series. Michael Harris didn't have a good series. I don't think Dansby had a good series. So, I mean, it just kind of was a recipe for a short series loss, basically. Right. Your starters don't go long enough, and some of your hitters go cold. I do want to make this one point, and I got into it with a few people on Twitter over the weekend about because I made a response to Eno, who got out there and talked about, like, I don't know. He wasn't being snarky or anything. What he said is, I don't know what to call these playoffs anymore because it's just it doesn't value what happened during the regular season. Yeah. And my argument to him was, hey, listen, we do have a new playoff system this year with the extra round, but last year the team with the fewest regular season wins won the whole damn thing. Why weren't people bitching up a storm then? I understand that in short series that luck plays a factor. I understand it. My response to everybody was, don't complain about it. Play better. And people said, Rose, you don't understand baseball if you, you're – you know what you're telling people you don't do. know Your ball answer is play better well what is the alternative are we going to have best of 15 series to decide <laughs> who moves on like no this is this is the way it goes a five game series is three percent of the regular season a seven game series is four percent of the regular season there's no difference between those two there's just not you know all of a sudden does in a seven game series does the luck go away it doesn't so in a short series, it is a lot about luck. But let's stop saying that and, and diminishing the accomplishment of the eventual World Series champ. I don't think it's fair. One thing on that real quick, I think the five-day layoff is, is a problem. Other okay, than that, I get it. The, do you know that last year there was a four-day yes. layoff? Yeah. There's a four-day yeah, layoff. So when the wild card happens, there's a minimum – or there's a maximum of a four-day layoff for one of the league teams. That's one less day. It's it, it's a problem, though. When you have all of the teams that are having the buys kind of have that. We saw it. It's a problem, dude. You can't – you cannot replicate game speed. I think they're going to have to try to figure something out if they can because it really is – it's – I was thinking going in, and I'm going to be quick on this. Sorry, there's so many thoughts here. Uh, I thought the biggest advantage was going to be how you can stack up your pitching and be ready. Uh huh. 
it kind of showed up a little bit, I, I guess, you know, with the game one starters, you know, you had your aces going against the three guy most likely. Um, but really it ended up being that the hitters were out of sync and out of tune. And they'll all tell you that. And anyone that's played will say five days, three days is too much. Like for a hitter, three days is too much. Four days is too much. Five days is too much. Like it's once it gets to that point, it's just tough. I have a solution. I think you have to invite your AAA team to come play against you on those off days. Like you have to have a real game and playing against an inner squad against each other. Not great. Bring some minor leaguers up that have something to prove and that want to do it. There'll be a little bit more of that atmosphere. You need something like that. Teams are going to have to figure out something. I think that's the one way they could do it. I would agree with you. Even Dusty Baker came out and said, listen, the first five innings of the game against Seattle game one, we were out of it. Like we looked like we had been off for five days. And I I understand that. You knew it going in. Yeah, no, it's no, these players are legit, man. It's, it's, it's very tough. It's whatever we can move on though. All right. Today's episode of baseball today is presented to you by SeatGeek. Quick reminder, we want to get your uh, your questions in because on Tuesday's show, we're going to ask our SeatGeek question of the of the championship round series. That's where we'll be. And the cool thing is, if we pick your question to be used on baseball today, you will get $1,000 in credit to use on the SeatGeek app. Now, if you've never used it before, go to your phone, download it right now at the App Store, and it helps you find a seat to a baseball playoff game, NFL, college football, NBA that's starting this week, Pucks just dropped last week, your favorite concert. And on top of allowing you to do that, we're trying to get you to save dough. You will get 10% off your order if you use the code JOHNBOYPLAYOFFS. That's all caps, all one word. And that's whether you're a first-time buyer or not. Usually that's reserved for just first-time buyers. But if you're a returning customer, great. Use John Boy Playoffs, all caps. You're going to get 10% off your order. Nice thing that SeatGeek does, they rate every ticket on a scale of 0 to 10 to make sure you're getting the best deal possible. They also color code it. Green is good. Red is bad. Once again, green is good. Red is bad. Save 10% of your order. John Boy Playoffs is the code word. Download the SeatGeek app today. And don't forget to get in your SeatGeek question of the championship series round. We will use one starting on Tuesday's show, and pick a winner. We continue on here, and the Philadelphia Phillies will be facing the San Diego Padres, who are NLCS bound for the first time in 24 years. They beat up on a team that finished 22 games ahead of them in the NL West. How do you explain the Padres pulling this off without a single at-bat this year from Fernando Tatis Jr.? Kind of like what we are just talking about, they got hot at the right time, exposed to five-game series. I think when you really look at it, the the health of their starting pitching throughout the season um, really helps, right? They have a, a couple guys made 30 starts. You know, everyone was in the 20s or higher. Um, you know, it kind of lets some of the bullpen rest throughout the year. Their bullpen has been good for them. I think having that rotation depth has played a big part uh, in this series. And then We'll just go back to it. Anything can happen in a five-game series. Once you split those first two games, I mean, anything can happen. Uh, the Dodgers played good baseball, but they had some real timely hitting. The bottom of their lineup really produced for them. You mentioned Grisham before. Cronenworth has been an, a playoff god. I mean, the bad he had against Vesia there to put him ahead was incredible. So they 
you know, the timely hitting, good pitching, short series, anything can happen. And and now we'll be talking about who's the sweetheart team. Who's the team that can do it? Is it going to be Philly or is it going to be San Diego? Because they're kind of in the same realm there where it's like we got hot at the right time and guys are producing. A uh, few things. The bullpen was unreal. Suarez has been virtually unhittable. Josh Hader is back to putting yes. on his Josh Hader mask. He has just been filthy. But I think that if the Padres win this whole damn thing, we are going to circle the seventh inning of game four. Top of the inning, the Dodgers had a chance to extend a 3-0 lead and couldn't do it. Bottom of the frame got out of control. Kim with the huge double down the third baseline after showing bunt on the first pitch. That yep. was enormous. And by the way, he has been fantastic. A fantastic fill-in for Tatis Jr. They, were, they would have just been happy if he could catch every ball coming his way, which he's done. But he's gotten a few huge hits for that team as well. That was enormous. Um, that seventh inning was just something you could almost do a whole, like, 30 for 30 on. I thought it was that interesting. I don't want to go into it too much. Dave Roberts, I don't know what he was thinking there. Uh, you get Vessia no time to warm up, and you bring him in in a 1-0 count. I think, you know, we always talk about lanes, and we got this, and we're and he brings Martin in because he liked that lane for him in the fifth or sixth inning, whatever it was. How do you not see that you got a lefty coming up that you want that Vessia matchup? Like, he's got to be up and throwing. You, it's, you know, the bullpen guys will say, I'm ready to go, doesn't matter. But they need to get warm. Like, and he, and he, he had him two strikes, just didn't execute. Like, and sometimes that extra little conviction comes from being warm or not being warm. And he didn't yeah. get that pitch where he needed to get it. And Cronenworth made him pay. You know, and the other thing is, is that, you know, listen, we look at the Padres and we're like, oh, they're the cute little Padres. In fact, we had a question at the beginning of the series was, are they going to get over their little brother syndrome of the guys 120 miles to the north? Um, the Padres are they might play in a small television market. They spend like ballers. They're yeah. top five in payroll, right? I mean, Machado's $300 million. They'll take on Josh Hader's contract, you know, in terms of him getting paid $16 million a year. They're going to take whatever Juan Soto that price tag has coming with it. You know, they, they signed Eric Hosmer to almost $150 million deal. They pay you Darvish a ton of money. A lot of guys in that starting rotation make some bucks. So they are willing to spend. They play like they're the big boys on campus. And I think they showed it. I think for too long, we've just kind of looked at the uniform and expected the Padres to kind of whittle. That was not this team. You know, I, I suppose one question I'd like to ask AJ Preller, and, and maybe Padres fans can help answer this in the comments section on our YouTube channel. Did Preller, Preller must have known that Tatis was not going to be there for the run when he brought in the Soto and Hader and Drury. I don't think so. I mean, by all accounts, like they didn't know, like Tatis and his and his crew knew, and then they found out the same time everyone else found out. That's what everyone's saying. I don't know. Yeah, I think he's aggressive all the time anyway, and he, is he wanted the team to get over this hump to be able to beat the Dodgers. You know, in that yeah. clubhouse, all those guys are very, very confident. You know, about as confident as you can get. Uh, yeah. But there is, you got to do it. Like you got to beat the Dodgers, you know, come, you can say that you don't care about it and that you're not scared to play them, but you keep getting beat, you know, series after series after series, like eventually you got to do it. And they did it. And now going forward, going into next year, 
that is something that they can draw on and bring to the totally. table against the Dodgers, 100%. Um, let's move on to the Dodgers. I, I want to keep this short, but I think it's a big topic because they've made the playoffs 10 straight years. They won it all in the shortened season in 2020. Do they just stay the course or do they have to change their philosophy a little bit and or personnel, and that might include in the dugout? I think they stay the course. I mean, they got bit by the injury bug at the wrong time. Obviously, Walker Bueller wasn't there all year, and he wasn't great before he got hurt. So that hurts. But having Walker Bueller would be awesome come playoff times. You really want him out there. And then even the injuries to Gonson at the end of the year, he wasn't able to give them any length. Um, and I think that would have made a massive difference. So you had all this starting pitching depth. You drew upon it all year, and then at the end, it just kind of – you got bit at the wrong time. I think Gonson was – Gonsolin not being stretched out really hurt their playoff chances. What is the most number of pitcher that pitches one of their starting pitchers through in the four games against the Padres? It had, it had to be Anderson, right? Give a guess what the number was. 85, 86. Julio Urias, who I understand gave up a few runs. He threw 79 pitches in game one. Now, they won. I understand it. I understand the philosophy. But what sort of world are we living in where your game one starters getting pulled after 79 pitches? What's going on here? I think they're getting, I think the sport is outthinking itself way too much. Julio Urias is damn good. He, you're telling me he can't at least get one more inning? Because what you're asking is four different guys to be on their A game after him. And guess what? Yeah. It didn't work one. in game four. It did not work in game four. And a lot of people strictly want Dave Roberts fired. That's it. I am telling you, I tell all my Dodger friends this, this is not a Dave Roberts decision. No. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree for the most part. Like that philosophy of not letting – uh, pitchers face the lineup a third time through that's an organizational philosophy during the playoffs and then you know maybe every once in a while they'll let someone do it maybe a Kershaw will do that whatever but he's made some mistakes like I said the timing of the Vesia thing like that's I think that's inexcusable like I don't understand how that he wasn't just up like you can get guys up and um but you're right a lot of it comes from the front office uh like why wasn't Tyler Anderson allowed to go further it, I understand the numbers. I get it. But man, maybe once again, it gets back to like the whole Blake Snell in 2020 in game six of the World Series decision. I understand the numbers, but you don't know what day that guy's going to be special. And ask, go ask the Padres if they were happy when he came out of the game or not. I agree. I agree. If you see a guy's on and pitching well, and you know that's happening, like you can let him run a little bit because you're right. If you have to piece together four four innings, four different relievers, it all it takes is one guy to have a bad day. A couple walks, three-run homer, and now you're behind the eight ball. So I, I, I agree. It's, it's That is – I told you this before the playoffs. I like the playoffs because there are managerial decisions involved in the pitching, and we analyze those, and I love that. It's very hard to manage a bullpen. You know, you get a lot of Monday morning quarterbacking with that. They have to figure something out. I agree with you. Let's move on to the Houston Astros. They sweep the Mariners in an all-timer, a one nothing, 18-inning win up in Seattle. Jeremy Pena with the home run. 
They are now off to their sixth straight ALCS. Is Houston the premier franchise in this sport? I don't think so. I think they're up there. I think Houston, Dodgers, Atlanta are all kind of on the same tier. We always give the Dodgers grief for one World Series title in, 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 in 10 years straight in the postseason, but Houston has one, and they're constantly in the ALCS. So, you know, if they run off a couple of years in a row where they're winning championships, then we can say, yeah, maybe you guys are ahead of the Dodgers in Atlanta. But until then, I, I think that they're just on, they're on a top tier. They're an excellent franchise. I love what they do. They I just like the way that they approach the game. Uh, but I'm not going to sit here and say they're a better franchise than the Dodgers, a better franchise than the Braves. I won't do it. I think they are. I'm I'm so impressed. We talk we've talked throughout this show about the role that good fortune or luck or whatever the heck you want to call it plays in this sport. For Houston to get to the ALCS six straight years, like I have the utmost respect for the Dodgers. They've been knocked out before getting to the NLCS in that time. I have the utmost respect for the Yankees. They lost in the wild card last year. I'm not doing that to put shade on either of those franchises. I'm here to build up Houston in terms of that shows you how freaking difficult it is to get there. Six straight years. They got there in a, even in a shortened season when I think they were below 500 they were. in those 60 games. And somehow they put it together. Um, it's really impressive what they've done. You don't have to like them. You can still ar- harbor ill will toward them. I've personally moved on, but I understand people that haven't. And I understand people who still root against them. I get it. But if you can't appreciate what they've done, then I think you're. I think that's a little much. Because I think there's a difference between the two. Can I say something? I don't understand people that still root against them. It's a different group of players for the most Not part. entirely. Well, for the most part. And, you know, everything's going on is, you know, above the table. Is that the right saying? Yeah, in plain sight, sure. Watch them and watch excellent baseball. Like, I'm not trying to take anything away from them by saying they're not the best franchise. Like, they are an excellently run franchise with some players that you just can't miss. Uh, But I think there's a couple of other organizations that are there, too. Very quickly, how much has Seattle closed the gap in the AL West? Dude, they almost won that series, Chris. Like, that's what I keep telling Mariners fans. You guys were close to sweeping. You got swept, but you were very close. If you could just stop Jeremy Pena, forget Jordan Alvarez. If you would have just stopped Jeremy Pena, you sweep the series. So they closed the gap. I mean, I understand what happened in the regular season. Uh, but like to go into a dogfight like this and and have those games, you had those games. Yeah, I know it hurts now, but I That's think when right. you look back on it, like damn, we went toe to toe with them, and we can do it for the foreseeable future as well. I'm so happy that their fans got to see a home playoff game. I really was. That's why I was happy that they took care of Toronto. Um, I know it sucks to lose that way to sit there on the edge of your seat for. 17 scoreless innings and then a run comes across in the 18th so i understand all that your starting pitching is locked and loaded um i don't know if robbie ray will ever be the pitcher that he was in toronto but they've got enough young guys behind castillo logan gilbert and george kirby those are dudes and yeah i mean you look back at it and if you're a seattle fan uh you say well how the heck did we lose game one you're right I mean, if you're going to beat a team like Houston in the playoffs, you've got to seal that one. So I hope that there's a better race next year 
I don't like it when teams win divisions by double digits. It's not fun. I don't think that's going to happen anytime in the near future because I think barring any significant injuries, Seattle's got its superstar. It's got a lot of power in that lineup. I'd like to see maybe the addition of a more steady bat guy who has a higher on-base percentage somewhere in that lineup. But it's a really good team and fun to watch. You want to know where Seattle really lost, really lost the series? They stopped selling beer in the seventh inning of an 18-inning game. They cost themselves a lot of money right there. And the fans, man, that's got to be tough. All you want is another beer. Couldn't have it. Yeah, I don't feel as badly um, for the people lining their pockets as I do for those people who had to sit around another 11 innings without any suds. Yeah, I think it was like a a big sugar rush. A lot of they're going for sodas instead. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, raising a glass, after the Padres win it all, Will Myers and his bride went out in the gas lamp district. And if you've never been to San Diego and partied in the gas lamp, it is a fun spot. Bought shots for a bunch of people in several different bars, I believe. Is Will just setting himself up for failure because he might have to do this two more times? I think he'll be just fine. The guy's made quite a bit of money. And if he celebrated, he's been there a long time, man. So this has to feel extra special for him. And you're right, man. That whole city was rocking. They're the only show in town right now, and they're putting on quite a show. Yeah. I think he, and he hasn't had a very good playoffs. I think he's something like two for 23 or whatever it is. But he has been around town since 2015. Some ups, some downs, a lot of injuries. I think this is the last year of his contract. I don't know if he's even going to continue playing baseball, but maybe that's what I appreciate most about it is that how many times have we talked about people on this show that they haven't enjoyed the journey enough? That's enjoying the journey. And they were wild and after the game and their, their post-game interviews, Machado with his shirt off. He said he was Unreal. having a party back at his house. I didn't get the invite, man. He was up with that. Yeah. It's okay. Never. Maybe next round. Maybe next round. All right. We know that you've got talking baseball every day. We've got baseball today coming your way every day. Quick reminder, latest episode of the Rose Rotation with the recently retired Stephen Bode. He tells you why he might be your team's next manager. Really fascinating discussion. What's going on in his brain about re retiring three young kids at home, how he weighs all that stuff and what his, uh, his plans are moving forward. Plus he tells us the amazing story of, that final hit that left the yard and just a lot of details. I don't think we were privy to before that. So give it a listen. It'll bring a smile to your face. It's a shorter episode, half hour, very digestible uh, for our one of a kind producer. And I stress one of a kind Dan roar and for Trevor Plouffe. I'm Chris Rose. We will see you Tuesday to get you all set for the NLCS on baseball today.